Hey, what's going on, you guys? <clears throat> so, running two minutes late today. Apologies, of course. Um, okay, so, you guys, what we're going to be talking about today is... Um, it's actually pretty common, especially in Western culture, and I feel it's becoming, like, more and more common. Stefan, good to see you. As... Um, as the world pace kind of picks up, okay? And that's psychologically induced chronic insomnia or sometimes kind of what it's referred to as the monkey mind. So this is very important, Esteban, good to see you. This is very important because oftentimes people wanna build a good physique and or solve some kind of challenging health problem or whatever, James, good to see you. And they, they skip a lot of important steps. And in the sense, what I'm referring to is you need to know and master like very basic arithmetic uh, before you actually try to do calculus, okay? And what a lot of people are trying to do right now is they're trying to jump into calculus, like jump into intense workouts, jump into intense dieting routines or whatever before they even know um, basic arithmetic, basic uh, you know addition and subtraction, multiplication, division. And that's why a lot of people just don't see, Bob, good to see you, Mark as well. Uh, that's why a lot of people just don't see impressive results or they burn themselves out. So for example, they do see impressive results for like, uh, you know, like two, three months, but then, you know, they just, they just burn themselves out and they stop working out or doing whatever routine and, and they kind of return back to their old ways. And it's, and it's simply because oftentimes uh, like I always say in a lot of these podcasts, working out takes energy, it takes health, it, it doesn't give you energy, you know, so you need a lot of energy and you need to be in an energy surplus if you're looking to really optimize and maximize the intensity of your workouts, which inevitably has to happen if you do want to see impressive results and move way above and beyond just kind of going to the gym and going through the motions and then wondering why you're looking the same year after year after year after year and uh once again that's just because people haven't mastered the basics and um oftentimes even people that say they're like they're health they're eating healthy that's the biggest red flag i hear ever ever when someone says that to me i instantly know they basically don't know anything about nutrition and most likely their definition of eating healthy is like eating less or doing some trendy diet or something like super very basic and silly of that sort. Matthew, good to see you. Bebo, I don't know if I pronounced your name correct. Good to see you. Chario, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Thanks for jumping in as well. Let me know if I pronounced it correct, uh, correctly. Bob, good to see you also. Thanks for always jumping in and being supportive here. Um, so, so you gotta, uh, you gotta master the basics first. And what I mean by that is like, for example, like here's an HAQ I give to a lot of clients, okay? And it's tough for you guys to see. I still haven't mastered uh, this whole entire screen share thing. But for example, the HAQ, it's a health assessment questionnaire that I give to a lot of my clients before they begin the actual workout routine so you understand what's going on under the hood and if they're even healthy enough to work out. And you'll be surprised that most people are actually not even healthy enough to work out. And especially when I was giving corporate lectures, uh, corporate health lectures, it's just very, very rare to find a healthy person in a corporate environment. Most, I would say nine out of 10 easily, and that's an optimistic number, are just full of a lot of mental and physical pain. They're chronically exhausted. They're wearing a tremendous amount of masks to fit into that culture, which is tiring in and of itself. So what the HAQ does is, is tell me like they're, 
uh, their digestive health, you know, their adrenal health, liver health, endocrine uh, health, uh, glucose regulation, musculoskeletal health as well, mental health, like their anxiety, anger, depression, etc. And to be honest, a lot of people, for example, that even say they're healthy, come in in the red in pretty much every single category. And if you go to PubMed.gov, you can find countless studies that show that basically 9 out of 10 Americans right now are metabolically, 9 out of 10 American adults are metabolically unhealthy. That's 90%, which is freaking crazy. And to give you guys another, um, another crazy statistic is the average citizen in the U.S. has about a 50% chance of either dying from a heart attack or cancer. 50%. If that doesn't scare you and worry you, um, I just think you're kind of numbing yourself out at that point because you don't know a solution and, and you're hoping for the best. But 50% is a pretty frightening number, especially kind of, I guess, this COVID thing is still going on, but a lot of people were concerned about, you know, catching COVID and having health complications from that. But that was basically like a 0.001% chance of actually having health complications from COVID and everyone was up in arms and, and very cautious and stuff of that sort. But then you tell the average American like, hey, you have, the, you have a 50, freaking 50% chance, just ridiculously comical, of dying from cancer or a heart attack. They go, oh, okay, cool. And they don't take any action. Where ironically, it's, it's easy to lower your chances from 50% to like almost zero or maybe even 10% uh, or lower just through simple behavioral modifications one of which we're going to be talking about here. So, um, and that's psychologically induced chronic insomnia or monkey mind, which is very, very common in today's culture, especially in America. I see it often. And the, and the monkey mind is, is your very stereotypical, like uh, you get to bed, you might actually even be physically tired, but your brain is like racing a million miles a second. You have all of these thoughts popping up all over the place and it's just very hard for you to actually fall asleep. And most of the time, uh, what happens is people get to bed, like for example, at 10 p.m. and they're not sleeping until like 1 or 2 a.m. And then they need to get up at like 5 or 6 a.m. and kind of go to work and then they're exhausted at work, which creates, uh, the thing is when you're in a chronic state of fatigue, it often amplifies stress as well. So it sets up like that huge negative loop. It, it makes you perceive stressors even uh, higher than they actually are. So let's say, uh, the stressor is like, uh, objectively speaking, like a three out of 10, but because you're so tired, you're so exhausted, it comes off as like a seven out of 10 and all these micro stresses accumulate quite a bit. And it's very common and unfortunately, um, well, fortunately it is actually very easy to fix through behavioral modification and good holistic lifestyle coaching. Uh, but the unfortunate truth is most, uh, people are just looking for, the false promises, the quick fixes that you know for sure aren't aren't gonna aren't gonna help you. But the problem is, is uh, you know that if you actually tackle the problem honestly, you're gonna have to first of all look in the mirror and admit to yourself that the way you're living is unsustainable, the way you're thinking is unsustainable, and that serious change needs to happen. And most people are just not willing to do that, or just don't have the intelligence or willpower to do that, and. Um, Thus, they go the, the they try to go the easy route of taking like over the counter sleeping aids. Um, shoot, I haven't taken any. I don't know. 
Uh, I think NyQuil is, is a popular one. Uh, they have like some sleeping aid there and also just a lot of um, pharmaceutical medical drugs. They take a lot of medical drugs for sleeping aids as well. And usually what ends up happening is you kind of fall into these cycles of, for example, if you have a rock inside your shoe, instead of taking the rock out and walking pain-free, you continue to take pain medication, which inevitably is gonna result, especially like the opioids, for example, inevitably is gonna result in a tremendous amount of side effects down the line. And that's what you end up doing. You end up leaving that rock inside your shoe and you take pain medication to continue to walk with that rock inside your shoe. But eventually what ends up happening is you have to up the doses all, all the time because your body habituates to it. And it's the same exact thing with sleeping aids. Usually what ends up happening is people see a short term relief and then all of a sudden that dose does not work anymore. And then they have to up the dose and they see a short term relief. And then after a while, that dose stops working also. And then they have to up and eventually you, after a certain point, no amount of dose helps you. So you return back to the same exact problem but amplified and with possible levels of toxicity depending on the doses you used. And remember, um, the, the belief system and behavioral pattern that led to that sleeping pathology or that problem that led to that sleeping pathology is a belief system that's gonna lead to a myriad of other uh, various physical and mental pathologies as well. So you can't be kind of very tunnel vision in this approach because inevitably any belief system is gonna lead to a myriad of repercussions, good and bad, okay? And usually, uh, from my experience, it's typically um, the person, at least from what I've seen of clin uh, 15 years of clinical practice, is typically the person uh, just has a hard time or doesn't even know how to manage. Swapnish, good to see you, man. I hope you're well. I don't know where you're living these days. You're moving around a lot, but hope you're well and thank you for jumping in. Milton, good to see you as well. Connor, good to see you. Hope you're doing well also. And a lot of people just don't know how to manage their central nervous system. And if they learn how to manage their central nervous system better, uh, oftentimes the sleeping pathologies will go away. Is it an easy fix? It's not an easy fix, but it will provide you with actual real healing. Unlike taking like a medical drug, which is basically selling the person, in my opinion, on false hope and never getting to the etiology or the root cause of why those sleeping pathologies are actually there. Uh, and we're going to dive into how to correct that behaviorally here, okay? So, I have my notes here. We went over our HAQ. So, pills, remember, medical drugs, uh, they're oftentimes, it's kind of like, imagine I'm walking with you at a park and you get a rock stuck inside your shoe and it's like painful, you know, you're like limping. It's ruining your gait for sure. And I tell you, oh, just don't don't take the rock out. Just leave that uh, leave that rock there. Just here are some pain, painkiller medications and take them, you know, and you'll be fine. Like you'll probably look at me like a complete retard and you'll stop listening to me even as a friend, more over of a health professional. Okay. But people constantly do this. If people wear a white coat, they're all of a sudden just kind of turn a blind eye and become entranced by this kind of like authority figure and listen to oftentimes misleading advice. That's that's really just honestly selling a person as false, on false hope for the most part and never getting to the etiology of why that problem occurred, et cetera, et cetera. And I see this all the time and oftentimes it is a two-way road. Uh, the patient a lot of times doesn't want to take responsibility for living like a dumbass. 
And because they don't want to take responsibility for that, they're looking for a quick fix to continue to live like a dumbass, which is okay if they really want to do that. But the problem is uh, you just have to be okay with the consequences, you know? And like I mentioned, a belief system that led to one problem, which you take medication for, if that belief system isn't dealt with and those behavioral patterns aren't fixed, are going to lead to a myriad of other problems. It's the same exact thing with high blood pressure, high uh, cholesterol levels that are all over the place, okay? Low testosterone, uh, erectile dysfunction issues, uh, psychologically induced chronic insomnia, I mean, whatever, you name it. Uh, these are all symptoms. These are all ways your body cries for help. It's telling you something is wrong and you need to change something, okay? Uh, most oftentimes, the average person, like I showed you here, this is kind of, for the most part, the average American. And like I mentioned, 9 out of 10. As you can see, it's in the red in pretty much every single biological marker, okay? And 9 out of 10 Americans right now are metabolically unhealthy, and you have a 50% chance of dying from uh, cancer and a heart attack as an American, which is super crazy, okay? That is a very, very high percentage uh, chance. So... These are all your body's way of telling you like, dude, enough is enough. You need to change your ways. Uh, and you, you could numb it out by taking pain medication, uh, doing cheesy diets or trendy diets or whatever. But just know those cries, because that belief system has never been changed, those cries are gonna get louder and louder and louder year after year. And then all of a sudden you're 50, 60, you're on you know, seven or 10 different medications, you, you look terrible, you feel terrible. Uh, half of the medications you're taking are just to counter the side effects of the other half. And you're wondering why. And then silly enough, a lot of people are like, oh, it's my genetics. I'm like, dude, no, no, it's not your genetics. It's that you're living like a dumbass, basically. And genetics may load the gun, but your decisions in life pull the trigger, okay? Like I told you and I shared with you guys my uh, past experience with anxiety, generalized and social anxiety were at clinical levels. That's what the psychiatrist told me, I have a genetic predisposition. Did I let that get to me? Did I take, uh, did I personally take drugs, medical drugs? No, I took the long route, you know, like I mentioned, I took a lot of improv classes, a lot of acting classes to learn how to do stuff like this right here, which, you know, a decade or more ago would be impossible for me to do basically with you guys. Uh, but I took all those and I studied a lot of psychology. I studied a lot of holistic healthcare practices. And I was able to basically subdue those genetics, okay? Uh, because oftentimes if you don't have environmental triggers, especially to trigger the genetic predispositions, sure enough, the genetic predispositions don't happen, okay? Uh, so keep that in mind, okay? So let me see my notes here. So we're talking about psychologically induced chronic insomnia. Another thing with sleeping aids is a lot of people feel like it actually gives them uh, an equivalent of sleep recovery where it's not the case. There's no way a single drug, no matter how well designed, uh, is gonna provide you with the amount of rest and recovery that actual genuine. Charlie, good to see you. Sebastian, good to see you as well. Uh, my Chinese compadre. I, um, traveled in China with him a long time ago already. It must have been already 10 years ago. But Sebastian, good to see you. Thanks for uh, always staying in touch. It's always good to hear from you. And, um, and yeah, so 
I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, that's why I keep these notes, and we'll come back to it. Okay, so let's come back to psychologically induced chronic insomnia. Oh, yes, that's right, pills. Uh, sleeping aids. Oftentimes when you see people take sleeping aids, here's what I want you guys to do. I'm pretty sure you're going to go out this weekend, and you're going to run into one friend, at least, that's uh, taking a lot of these sleeping aids or whatever. Take a good look at them. Like, what you'll see oftentimes is they still look exhausted. They're oftentimes, like, very frail and weak or just very kind of, like, overweight looking as well. And they just look like depleted, like uh, things aren't going well, you know what I mean? Which could actually be a precursor to why they develop sleeping problems as well. But my point is a lot of times when I see um, a lot of people on sleeping medications, their, their skin just looks kind of dead, you know, like very, you know how your skin looks pale and, and kind of droopy uh, when you're very exhausted. And I, and I see that appearance in a lot of people that, that rely on sleeping aids, although they claim they sleep just fine with these sleeping aids. I just don't think so. And then usually with clients that I trained in person, a lot of times you can just see that uh, they're not able to reach full intensity in the gym because they're just exhausted, they're tired, you know what I mean? And once again, workouts take energy. They don't give you energy. And if you don't have energy uh, to provide, don't expect you're going to get efficient workouts in. And if you don't get efficient workouts in, uh, don't be surprised if you just don't see changes in your physique. Okay, so this is like very, very important. And it's very rare to find people that even know how to sleep well. So let's go over, you know, the details of how to actually establish good sleeping patterns and how to combat in specific, psychologically induced chronic insomnia, okay? So, uh, psychologically induced chronic insomnia or the monkey mind. So, a few things first. Let's first talk about the central nervous system and how ideally it should function. I cover this so much in a lot of other videos, so I'm not going to go into hardcore detail here. But ideally, what you want to do is you want to set up an environment where uh, you just have, you might have stresses in life, but it's followed by a lot of of valleys of nothing going on, no micro stresses or nothing. So for example, uh, you have a deadline or something like that. Let's say on Monday, you finish it and on Wednesday, and it's, it might be kind of stressful, but then all of a sudden, like a month or two goes by where nothing really happens, no micro stresses. And this includes like no traffic, uh, living in the city, you're, you're full of micro stresses, like in LA, especially New York. New York is like the cortisol capital of the world. I'm sure still it was when I uh, checked way back then, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the ideal situation is kind of like, you know, you go uh, hunter gatherers, you go hunting, you kill the animal. And then all of a sudden a few months go by, you're just like hanging out in nature under the sun with your tribe. You're just kind of laying around, uh, maybe attending to like your tools or whatever, your, your hunting sphere. Um, drinking fresh spring water, eating wild game, etc., etc., and then nothing is happening in between. Then you go for another hunt, uh, stuff of that sort. So that's kind of like the ideal way the central nervous system has evolved to function, to have minimal uh, micro stresses throughout your day. So not to be uh, this kind of like type A. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to always stay busy. Oftentimes, I see type A personalities. Uh, it's pretty common for them to have the monkey mind and thus have hindered sleep, psychologically induced chronic insomnia, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that is just know how your central nervous system has spent about give or take, you know, with the 28 plus human species that have come and gone, uh, 
how it's ideally evolved to actually function. Julia, Stefan, good to see you. How it evolved to actually function, okay? So you wanna to try to replicate that process as close as possible in your environment. So for me, uh, so for a typical, let's say, middle manager, director level, or executive at a company, the ideal situation will be like, because they have to put out so much fires, the ideal realistic situation will be like you work one day and then you take like two or three days off, which no one freaking does. And uh, Michael, good to see you, which no one does. And then they wonder why people just look so bad, look so overweight and, and just extremely tired and, and stuff like that. And they've normalized it. So in their mind, they're actually doing completely fine. But then when I walk in there, like I mentioned, I see, um, I see scores like this. And I mentioned it on many different podcasts when i finished my second book i was given a lot of grocery store tours where i would teach people uh i would give a lot of grocery store tours where i would teach people about food production in the u.s in the agricultural industry and one time like a guy came up to me and i see this a lot in corporate offices as, as well uh, he came up to me and he's like well you know i've been eating this factory farm junk and this fast food and i feel completely fine you know meanwhile the guy's like I think he was in his late 30s at least, and he's like just very overweight, had like gyno, um, was complaining about knee pain and back pain as well, uh, probably on two or three different pharmaceutical drugs. And for him, that was normal, but that's not normal. That's a life of pathology. And unfortunately, these days, that type of life of pathology has been completely normalized. That's why people don't even see it as something wrong because it's been completely normalized, which is which is very frightening and results once again speak for themselves. Like I mentioned, nine out of 10 Americans or American adults are metabolically unhealthy and it is the weekend. You can literally try to prove me wrong, go step outside anywhere in America and uh, nine out of 10 Americans you run into are, are full of obesity and disease. You can see the mental and physical pain in their face. They're kind of just like, their soul must have died like 20 years ago or something, but their physical body continues to operate, okay? So, so that is ideally how the central nervous system has evolved to function. Some other parameters to consider are ideally you want to be sleeping between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. because your body repairs itself physically from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and mentally from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., okay? And this is pretty much like hardwired in our biology and goes with the rhythm of the sun. So. I've seen a lot of great results with clients that are able to do that. Their intensity in the gym did improve a lot. Their overall sense of well-being improved almost overnight as well when they started doing that. And they, did, they kind of, on top of a lot of other variables we would focus on, they stopped having like energy swings, low libido, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And also remember for all of you guys suffering with like joint issues or, you know, injuries that don't seem to heal, when does your body heal? When you sleep optimally okay that's when it heals so it's another important thing to consider uh in the healing process of any kind of physical injury or stuff of that sort okay so once again central nervous system ideally you want very little micro stresses maybe you'll have a peak here but you have enough resting time to create some biological adaptation in between but you definitely don't want to get into patterns of like deadline after deadline after deadline after deadline, shitty boss, deadline, shitty boss, deadline. Uh, that, that is a disaster. Okay, avoid those situations as much as possible. A lot of you will come to realize that 
I can't avoid those situations in my job, then you need to decide what's more important to you, your job or your health and well-being and happiness. Um, and that's for you to decide, okay? Uh, so those are the two things. Now, um, one thing that, uh, there are many things you can do, but one thing that could really help with psychologically induced chronic insomnia at night is once again, it goes back to kind of what I said, reducing the amount of micro stresses you have throughout the day so it doesn't build up into an overwhelmed mind at night. So for example, micro stresses like listening to the news. How would you want the best biohack in the world? Just stop listening to the news. Stop listening to the news. All of a sudden you will have probably like two, three or more hours per week of free time for yourself, for more sleep, for more rest, for more doing stuff you actually want to do. You have to remember the news is kind of like, it's always going to be very biased. And at the end of the day, think about it this way. What does that information actually really give you if you're not going to take action on it? So what do we got going on today? We have like the whole thing in Ukraine going on. Okay, cool. Like you can spend an hour reading about, uh, up on it, but what does that change for you? Are you going to take action? Are you going to go volunteer in Ukraine and fight there or kind of do some donation? No. Like, and plus, you're probably getting biased news from whatever station you're listening to. The only way to really get a comprehensive answer of like what's going on there is probably to listen to like 10 different news stations and then try to piece it all together, which will take a lot of time. And will it solve your specific situation? Will it make your life better? No. Will it make you more informed? No, because you don't need it. Uh, you don't need that information and information is everywhere. And Information overload oftentimes is one of the things that actually lead to psychologically induced chronic insomnia. So I heard this from Paul Cech, but uh, the average person today in one day, one day is exposed to the amount of information and stimuli that the average person 100 years ago was exposed to their entire life. So in one day, you get the amount of information that the average person 100 years ago was exposed to to their entire life. Okay, so talk about a tremendous amount of information going in. It takes a lot of energy to process that information and you can get backed up with that. So the monkey mind where you get a lot of racing thoughts, etc., etc., And um, it will make it tough for you to sleep. So I would definitely just get rid of the news. I mean, literally, it's mostly negative, especially if you start it like first thing in the morning listening to that shit, then that's going to set the precedent for your whole entire day. Is it going to get you more ripped? Is it going to get you in better help? Is it going to solve your sleeping? No. Then why are you listening to it? A lot of times, sometimes I see people listen to that stuff or get distracted with social media as a form of distraction. They use it as a form of escape from kind of like a life or a task that they don't want to be dealing with at the moment. And it provides them that quick like escape, such as an alcoholic would use alcohol to escape or a drug addict will use, they use drugs to escape a reality they don't want to be in but they want to continue to live, but they just don't know a way out. So they need these temporary escapes to kind of buy them time. And, you know, oftentimes it's kind of looked negatively on, you know, a person that's alcoholic or drug addict, for example, or abusing medical drugs. But also I see a lot of people abusing social media as a form of distraction too. And it's the same, they're using it as the same exact, uh, same exact thing. Which goes into my next point, social media as well. I mean, if you're following really good accounts um, that are really adding value, Demer, good to see you, Richard, Eddie, 
that are really adding value to your life, then hey, more power to you. Continue to lo- listen to those. But a lot of people is, are following these like lame, like low IQ content, TikTok videos and stuff like that, simply to like numb themselves out most of the time. If you really question these people on why they're spending so much time on social media, and oftentimes I do keep detailed notes on uh, where the time economics is allocated from with, with clients typically, and typically a person would spend about eight to 10 hours a week on social media, a week. What has it done for you except waste that 10? You know what great physique you can build for 10 hours or what kind of like amazing side business you can have or how many books you can read? Like if you read basically like 20 pages a night, which takes, I don't know, like 30 minutes, you pretty much finish like three books, two to three books uh, a month. That's 24, uh, that's 24 to 36 books a year. You imagine how much education that can give you and how could that help you at work and uh, help you understand the world, the fascinating world a lot better instead of watching uh, the Kardashians or whatever the hell is going on on TikTok or Instagram, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, which oftentimes just is a delusional, it gives you a delusional sense of how reality is and it can make a lot of people just feel worse because they're like, well, I'm in this situation and I'm definitely not, um, you know, looking like this person or as rich as this person or whatever. Once again, micro stresses, okay? Easy thing to eliminate and all of a sudden you buy a lot of time. One easy thing you can do is just not have the apps on your phone. So if you do want to use those those media outlets, just do it through your desktop and that alone would free up about like five or more hours per week. And uh, all you really need is about six hours a week to build a good physique in the gym, you know, four to five workouts and you're set to go, okay? And there you go, like what, what would help you more? Looking at these lame TikTok videos or having a great physique? What do you think? Okay, add, add A and B together. So there are so many more micro stresses. Um, I only attend to emails first thing in the morning. Uh, not even first thing in the morning, it's after my workout, like at around 11.30 a.m. or so. Uh, and I just check them really quick, boom, done. I don't check in anymore. I know sometimes it's not possible with certain jobs, uh, but then I would still limit that. Maybe check it at three different times of the day as well and stuff of that sort. I also personally have my phone, the ringer is never on, it never bings, okay? So you don't want to be kind of like a lab rat and every time someone, you hear a bing, you're like, ooh, I got to go for the pellet. You hear a bing, ooh, I got to go for the pellet. Okay, so more information. Once again, we talked about information overload, okay? So obviously like another important thing is you want to maintain like a good nighttime ritual. This is huge and you have to kind of see this as more of like a very procedural. And remember, it's not procedural unless it's done every single time. So you can't be switching it up all the time because you want your nighttime ritual, you want your brain to start associating that with winding down and relaxing. So, uh, you know, you can go about doing this a million ways, but remember you want to be asleep at 10 p.m. You want to already be sleeping at 10 p.m. That's where a lot of people get confused too. They are in bed at 10 p.m., but especially if you have psychologically induced chronic insomnia, which we're talking about here, you might not fall asleep until 11, 12, 1 a.m., okay? So let's say the most ideal situation, you're falling asleep at uh, 11 p.m., you know, to you, that looks like really good. I'm doing so well, but look at it this way. 
If you're falling asleep at 11 p.m. and you're getting up at 6 a.m., you're losing seven hours of physical repair time every single week. Uh, that's going to have a negative impact on building muscle. Thus, it's going to have a negative impact on increasing your base metabolism and the amount of calories you're going to be able to burn during the day, which is going to have a negative impact on how sustainable your diet is going to be. Obviously, the less muscle mass you have, depending on your goals, of course, but let's say you do want to be muscular and you want to have that aesthetic, you know, X-framed physique, uh, you're going to need all the sleep you can get, okay? And eight hours is minimum, especially if you're under like a good uh, training program. And if you're going to sleep, if you're in bed at 10 p.m. and you're actually falling asleep at 11 p.m., you're losing seven hours of physical, you're basically losing one day of sleep every single week. Multiply that by... Uh, you know, four weeks in a month, multiply that by 12 months, it's quite a bit. And that's going to have an aging effect on your skin as well. You will age faster if you don't sleep well. It'll just look like very haggard and worn down. Uh, so there's that negative aspect too. And remember, your body does all the repairs when it's sleeping, okay? So it repairs itself physically from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and mentally from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. So if you're like if you have some nagging injuries, like shoulder injury, back injury, knee injury, whatever, of course, there's a lot of rehab you need to do. But if it's still lingering and it's taking forever to, to recover from, you have to ask yourself, like, how am I sleeping between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m.? If you're like mentally foggy, mentally slow at work, how am I sleeping between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m.? So just some questions to answer. And of course, you got to be honest with yourself. And if you bullshit yourself, only you will feel the repercussions of that and you won't get better. And I see a lot of people, um, they just bullshit themselves. They don't admit to how bad it is, you know what I mean? And for a lot of people, it is pretty bad. Uh, they just normalize it, unfortunately. So the nighttime routine is, is very important. So like, for example, uh, especially if you have psychologically induced chronic insomnia, and it's tough for me to give any absolute answers because I would have to be talking to that specific person right in front of me and dealing with their situation. Let's say it's not too severe and usually it takes you about like an hour or two to wind your mind down. So in that situation, what I would do is like, for example, you want to probably have your last meal at like five or 6 p.m. So that way you're not stuffed too late at night. So your visceral tissue, your actual organs can have time to rest because if you eat way too late at night, those organs are kind of working to break that food down and it could make you feel very sluggish the next day, okay? Uh, on top of that, it could make it tough for you to actually go to sleep, depending on the type of food uh, you had. So I would probably, for example, cut it off at like 5 or 6 p.m. as your last meal. That way you give like a good, you know, four or five hours to allow that body to break that food down as much as possible. And then you're probably in bed by... 9 p.m. under an Edison light. So never any kind of like fluorescent lights, computer screens, um, your screen from your phone. And what I personally like to do is I either read a book or I listen to an audio book. A great audio book to help touch light on this subject that we're talking about. There are many of them on there. Uh, but why zebras don't get ulcers? And you can listen to, I don't know, like an hour. Just close your eyes and just listen to it, you know? Uh, what great information that would be. Why zebras don't get ulcers about stress physiology, basically, and how modern day uh, environment creates oftentimes too many micro stresses, which puts a, a person in a constant heightened fight or flight state and causes like a myriad of health issues uh, during that person's lifetime. Uh, 
and then that's it. You know, uh, the chapter is done or whatever. Uh, you turn off the light at like 9.50 and you're ready. You're sleeping at 10. You're not getting to bed at 10 and falling asleep at 11 or 12, etc., etc. And the sequence has to happen in the same way. So it's not procedural unless it's done every time. So let's say you have the dinner at 5 p.m. You take a shower um, uh, at like 8, you're, let's say, or 8.30. You're in bed by 9 and... Um, you're listening to the book or you're reading a book under a fluorescent light and you're sleeping at 10. It happens like that every freaking day. You can go out on the weekends sometimes, but I find uh, most people are so exhausted and they're running by so much adrenal fatigue. Uh, that whole entire, you hear it, oh, work hard, play hard. Well, next time someone says that, says that to you, just take a good look at them. And they must always look exhausted and many, many years older than they actually are. If you work hard, you have to rest harder. So the ideal situation, like I mentioned on a typical, especially a typical corporate job, uh, the ideal situation, which is never going to happen, unfortunately, is you work one day and then you take two days off to recoup from that one day. It's the same thing kind of with um, very intense nursing jobs, like the emergency room and stuff of that sort. And it never happens. And this is why you see so many people, they like look exhausted and feel exhausted and and it leads to a bunch of health problems as well and just a not aesthetically appealing physique. And their solution is like, I just need to work out harder. I'm like, no, man, you don't have the energy. You don't have the resources to work out. You don't have the resources to work out. You need energy to work out. Uh, so working out doesn't give you energy. It requires energy. Uh, so you can see where people are disconnected here. They're trying to do calculus, but they haven't even mastered basic arithmetic. They don't even know how to divide and subtract. And I'm like, dude, you can't go to calculus. You don't even know how to divide and subtract. First master those things, and then you can go to calculus and, and work out with high intensity under a pretty tough routine. So to close off this video, of course, unless any of you have questions, Ivan, Rod, uh, Rod, good to see you, Shane, uh, Patrick, good to see you as well. Um, the magic of what I find, uh, obviously, when excluding everything we just talked about in terms of mismanaging the central nervous system, et cetera, et cetera. One very common culprit for psychologically induced uh, chronic insomnia. And once again, uh, wait a minute. Before I go into that, I do want to cover one more thing regarding coffee because this is a big one too that, that fuels that psychologically induced chronic insomnia. So I'm not against coffee. You know, like have a cup of coffee in the morning if you want. But just make sure it's very, very early in the morning, like 6 a.m., and you don't have any more coffee after that. If, um, ironically, you know, from my observation, the people that get the most benefit out of coffee are the people that have really good energy already. They've already mastered these sleeping cycles. They're very health conscious, and they're not trying to come. Uh, they're not trying to come up with deficits. You know what I mean? So a lot of Unfortunately, most people that are drinking coffee are, are haggard, tired. They look very old, uh, much older than they actually are. And the ironic thing is, is they drink it for energy, but they never seem to have good energy, which is the comical, comical thing. Okay. So it's like, it's marketed as energy, but then like, why don't you have energy? Why are you always tired? That's because you can't neglect the basics. You can't neglect behavioral change and actually get into the etiology of why a specific situation exists. And when you are fatigued and tired, it's your body's way of telling you need to rest. 
not have more coffee or like some kind of energy drink, like a bang energy drink at 6 p.m. after a long day of work so you can get a workout in and then for sure your sleeping is going to be fucked that night, 100%. And that cycle just gets worse and worse as you get older and older because you get older, especially going into your mid-30s, I'd say even early 30s, your lifestyle patterns better be on point because if they're not, this is why people look so terrible even in their early 30s. Even I see it in 20-year-olds as well. Uh, and why they're, like, for example, testosterone levels are so low. Um, I think probably the average male these days in his 20s is probably somewhere around um, three to 500 nanograms per deciliter, where I mentioned in a previous video, I'm like at 900 nanograms per deciliter at 37. And it used to be low. It used to be at like 450 or so. Uh, like 10 years ago or, or a, maybe a little bit longer than that because once again I was living like a dumbass working way too many hours taking on way too many clients that I can handle uh, I explained that story there so I'm not going to go into here but a lot of people continue to do that unconsciously and then they wonder why they keep getting sick and looking worse and looking more overweight year after year uh, once again and in their mind, they're like, I just got to work out more. I'm like, no, man, you don't have to work out more. You have to fix your life first. And uh, because working out takes energy. It doesn't give you energy, okay? Uh, so coffee, yeah, I mean, it's your body's way when you're tired. It's your body's way of telling you need to rest. So you need to rest, not have coffee, okay? And then try to please that boss or something, uh, working yourself to death. Although you, you'll be replaced in like two seconds anyways. If you get fired and your coworkers aren't even going to remember you because they're going to be too busy living and trying to exist in the matrix either way. So don't even worry about it. Look after yourself first because no one else is going to care for you anyways. So keep that in mind, okay? So the real magic is, and what I find one of the biggest culprits are for psychologically induced chronic insomnia, especially if you're already kind of, you know, eliminated their coffee or dramatically reduced it, set up that bedtime ritual, taught them about central nervous system management and how to properly go about your day, one of the biggest uh, culprits is having a disconnection in the core values. So a core values is basically who you are as a person, who you are deep down inside, minus the social programming, you know, who you actually are, really are. And a lot of people don't even know their core values because they just opted out to... Uh, go off social programming because it was an easy route but in the sense it created a lot of emptiness in their life and the, which actually could also lead to psychologically induced chronic insomnia like where am i headed constantly thinking and ruminating that should i be in this job should i be in this relationship uh should i this 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 etc etc and uh that could actually keep a person awake in their head spinning especially as they get into older years and are finding that there's something missing. And it seems like even like, for example, in some situations, a person might be, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or becoming more successful in whatever they're doing. But for some reason, every new success, they feel more and more empty. So in that case, the ladder is basically leaned against the wrong building and they're climbing at an accelerated rate in the wrong direction, uh, which is taking them further and further away from who they truly are and you have to be very careful when you fall into those traps because um, the longer you stay there, the more you will justify that to yourself, although it might not be right for you. You'll kind of somehow bullshit your way into believing it is, and you'll, you'll stay that course. And uh, 
wonder why your sleeping always sucks and all that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but remember, the, the bigger the disconnect in your core values, the more masks you wear in life, the more micro stresses there will be on your central nervous system. And we explained earlier that your central nervous system doesn't do well in dealing with chronic stress. And not being true to yourself and wearing many masks in life produces that stress because you're like, I want to do this and be this person, but I'm quote unquote forced to do this. Uh, basically, you're just forcing yourself to do it through elaborate stories, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that causes like a lot, of, a lot of unwanted stress on the central nervous system, which could cause your head to keep spinning at night, creating that monkey mind or that psychologically induced chronic insomnia. And you'll, you're wondering why you're never falling asleep and why you're having a tough time um, falling asleep and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's so much more to it, guys. But just so how I want you guys to start thinking about actual pathologies, in this case, sleeping pathologies, psychologically induced chronic insomnia. One thing I didn't mention about workouts, I mean, ideally, you also don't want to be working out way too late at night. Uh, so I try to work out like at 7 a.m. already, I'm at the gym, or 7.30. That way you get that good energy out of the way in the morning. And by the time nighttime rolls around, you're already very tired. Because if you're waking up way too late, like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., it's going to be very tough for you to deplete all that excess energy and be able to go to sleep at 10, actually already be sleeping at 10 p.m. That could cause another problem. But yeah, so those are, there are so many more variables to consider here. Uh, there's like, but that's the general idea of how to start looking at psychologically induced chronic insomnia and start coming up with real solutions of how to actually solve those problems, okay? Uh, so obviously there's a lot of stuff that, a lot of other stuff that needs to happen, like cleaning up your gut health, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the general idea. And I personally, you can do whatever you want. I personally will never take sleeping aids for sleeping problems because I just never see it working with people. Once again, it provides like a short-term relief. Then they stop seeing results. They got to up the dose. Then they stop seeing results after a while. Then after a certain dose, it just stops working, period, no matter how much you up the dose. And you're still fucked because you never addressed the problem that led to that problem to begin with. And most likely at that point, because that problem that led to that belief system, behavioral problem that led to that problem most likely is leading to a myriad of other problems. Now, instead of one issue, you have like 10 issues you're dealing with. And good luck trying to solve it at that point, okay? So something to think about, guys. They're not easy answers, but if you want real solutions, this is how you have to be thinking about health and, and wellness problems or aesthetic problems, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's not going to happen with these quick bullshit fixes, okay? All right. So I hope that was clear and... Um, it's great seeing you guys. Tony, Jim, John, I felt like I want to say some other stuff, but I kind of like spaced out in terms of what else I wanted to include, which I'm pretty sure I'll think of the second I end this call. But, but that would be the general idea. I feel like once you especially uh, attended to all that other stuff that I mentioned in terms of sleeping schedule, not having too much coffee, working out earlier in the day, et cetera, et cetera, managing of the central nervous system, and you're still having issues, there, there could be the, the most likely culprit I've seen over 15 years of, of clinical practice is 
there is that disconnect of core values. You know, the person wants to live and be a certain way, uh, but they perceive that the world is too dangerous to express that. You know what I mean? So, for example, um, the person wants to be an artist, but they feel like if they become an artist, the world isn't going to reward them. You know, isn't going to support them. Meaning, no one's going to buy your art. Like maybe your art sucks. Maybe I don't have the business skills to actually sell the art or become popular. And the world's not going to reward me with financial success. So um, I don't feel safe pursuing that path because I might become homeless and it's dangerous being homeless. I won't have food. Society will look down on me. Although when society is full of mentally and physically sick people, like who cares what they think of you because their path is, isn't working anyways. Like I mentioned the stat here, nine out of 10 uh, American adults aren't even metabolically healthy and just walk outside literally anywhere in America. And nine out of 10 people you, you, run, you run into are, are full of mental and physical pain. They're living, they're living a sad life of desperation and a lot of pain, okay? Uh, most of the time in silence and denial, so who cares what they think of you? You know what I mean? Who cares what they think of you? Uh, so just do your own thing and just be clear about what you want and have confidence in yourself and uh, stuff of that sort. Oftentimes, you know, when people try to pursue who they are, they're like afraid of, oh, you know, not living in the fabulous house or uh, stuff of that sort until, you know, I figure out how to become an artist, for example. I don't want to live in this kind of simple apartment or stuff of that sort. Uh, then you care about your you care about society's opinion about you way too much. You need to start caring about you, okay? Not what society thinks about you, because most of them have their own problems, and they probably wouldn't even notice anything. Majority of them wouldn't even notice you're missing if you kind of just died one day or something of that sort. It's sad, but it's it's true. And a lot of you guys, like for example, let's say you worked a ten, uh, in a company for ten years with people, and it's like you left and. All of a sudden, you stop talking to like 99% of them. They, like two days later, five days later, you know, they don't even know you exist anymore because they're busy trying to keep up with the matrix, survive in that system, et cetera, et cetera, uh, stuff of that sort. So that's a good relief that, hey, be whatever the hell you want to be in life because life is short at the end of the day and, and stuff of that sort. And oftentimes what I see is a lot of people, like for example, like this person as this example, um, they want to be an artist, but they don't feel they're going to be supported by the world in the sense that they're not going to be able to earn a living. And they think it's biologically unsafe then because they'll end up homeless and in physical danger uh, if you're living on the street. Uh, so they take like a safer route and become like a lawyer or something, something established, something mainstream, something with some prestigious title, you know, some kind of uh, consistent paycheck attached to it. But the only problem there is um, through neuroplasticity, eventually, you know, they go that route for biological safety at the expense of mental, uh, mental happiness. Okay, cool. So the first year or two, it may be cool because of the prestige and um, maybe the pay consistency. But in the back of your head, you know, you're being fake to yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you're being fake. And in the sense, over a long enough time, Frame, this will create a lot of micro stresses. Okay, you show up to work, for example, you got to do all these reports, but you really just want to be painting on the beach or whatever. 
and you're going to go disgruntled to the work, disgruntled to your coworkers, disgruntled to your boss eventually. And no amount of money will help overcome that. Like even pay raises, all they're going to do is just basically a sugar high at best. And then a few months later after that sugar high wears off and usually people just purchase stuff to kind of numb themselves out from existence they don't want anyways, uh, instead of reinvesting that into like a passive income stream of some sort to get them out of that environment, they buy like a Mercedes or something like that. Um, and keep that cycle going. And remember, the longer you stay there, the more you're going to justify to yourself that you do want that when in fact you really don't want that. It just creates this kind of delusional trance stance of pathology that just reinforces itself at that point. But my point being is, uh, so this person, you know, went for the biological safety at the mental expense. But the problem is if you're not happy and you're not taking care of your mental state, it will in a way have a negative impact on your physical health as well. Excess cortisol production through micro stresses, which has, which sets up a dysregulation of HPA axis which sets up a myriad of health issues and continues for chronic periods of time, which you typically will find in occupations because you're spending about eight to 10 hours a day working in these jobs, five to six days a week, probably even longer if you count the commute because you're thinking about the work on the way to work, you're thinking about the work on the way back. So in a way you went for the biological safety, but it in a sense, you know, a decade or two later, it actually destroys you physically through neuroplasticity and various sorts because your thoughts have a negative impact where your thoughts have an impact on your physiology as well, okay? So if you know you're being fake deep down inside and there's a huge discrepancy between your core values, uh, you will have a life of a lot of mental and physical pain, most likely get into the wrong relationships, which will create more pain for you, uh, continue with the wrong line of work, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lisa, good to see you as always. Hope you're well. Uh, Nate, uh, Victor, Vitor. Hopefully I pronounced that right, let me know. Uh, Tony, Jim. And uh, in a sense, you, you return back to ground zero. You went in that job for biological safety, but now you're 50 years old or something. You might be a director, but you're obese. You have this, this gyno going on. You know, you have, you're on five different medications to get you through the day. Where's the biological safety there? You're a physical mess. That's what you're trying to avoid to begin with. And you return exactly back to that cycle. So. There's so much more to cover here, but it is the weekend, guys, and I want to kind of enjoy my weekend and go relax as well. As always, it's great to see every single one of you. Um, just remember, don't let the world change you, okay? Be you, and then health will be very, very easy from there. Okay, take care, guys. Bye.